Greetings, this is Bob Ponderelli, co-host with Mike Sherrick of Into the Gap Radio, which airs Saturday afternoons at 1 o'clock Central on 1590 AM and 95.9 FM Chicago. This is the podcast version of our show where you'll get highlights of our most recent episode. Okay, let's get started. Here's my co-host, Mike Sherrick. Welcome, everybody. Thank you for being here. We got a great guest today. Um, a buddy of mine, a guy I've known for a couple of years and a guy who I really have a tremendous amount of respect for. Uh, and he's also the author of a new book called, uh, inclusion, the role of leadership is, uh, Dr. Ed Gerwitz. So Ed, welcome, man. Thanks. Good yeah. to be here. Yeah. So welcome. You're into the gap with us. And this is, this show is primarily about men in leadership, which is what your book's about really. And we look at a lot of different ways. You're going to be providing a unique perspective that we haven't heard a lot on this show. Um, which, you know, is one of the reasons I wanted to have you on. But mostly I wanted to have you on because you're just a cool dude and a guy I respect a tremendous amount who's got an incredible amount of life experience. So welcome aboard. Um, one of the things, the, what we do is uh, we're really looking at the condition of humanity in the world. And we do it with kind of a tongue-in-cheek perspective often. Well, we try. <laughs> we try. We try to be funny, Ed. We, we attempt Once to be in a funny. While. Sometimes yeah, it doesn't attempt. work so well. Sometimes what we say gets taken right. out of context and they don't I'm, understand. I'm very familiar with that. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. You know, like, yeah. Tweaking at the truth in a way that will keep people from wanting to run us over in their car, well, you know, whatever. foundational to the show is the quote from George Bernard Shaw right. says, if you're going to tell people the truth, you better make them laugh or they'll kill you. Yeah. So that's that's right. what we're that's right. what we're here for. That's our mission. And so, uh, uh, yeah, yeah. Um, so if I may, yeah. So Ed, one of the things we do on the show, and and we're kind of tr- we're kind of this is kind of trimming and um, trimming the sails, so to speak, as we go along. When Mike and I would not have guests, we would go into pretty good depth on something called documentation of existing conditions, which is something that's done in the construction industry, architecture and construction, where you make determinations on what your existing conditions are before you actually go in any further to start playing around with whatever. So it's, it's it, the way they create in construction the what-so condition. Right? Yeah, and yeah. so yeah. we we chose that terminology uh, as a result of Mike and I having a lot of talking about it, and and really it's a way of escaping the trap of saying we're talking about the news. Yeah. Like if we say news, it's it's like saying God. There's all of a sudden boom. Oh, I know I know what that is, or that I know what that yeah. is for me. So we we kind of stay in that in that nebulous area, if you will, a little bit anyway. And so <clears throat> you know, are you going to get into it now? I, I'm going to just talk about. Can I can I put one in my favorite quote unquote story of the week? Yeah, yeah. There was absolutely. a story about a guy in Florida. Yeah. Who died from a meth overdose? Yeah. And then was eaten by an alligator. Right. And now then, that yeah. says something, right? Well. And the, the first thing I wonder is, now, what's the condition of the alligator? Right? Well, there's <laughs> another guy. You want to talk about bizarre stuff? Yeah. <clears throat> this guy had <clears throat> developed evidence that his farts killed mosquitoes. <laughs> this is a true story. <laughs> He had developed evidence, scientific evidence, that his farts killed mosquitoes, and he actually got hired by a company that is now going to try and duplicate the flatulence and turn it into a... That's remarkable. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Where's my brother? Yeah. My brother My brother should yeah. be calling us right now. Scatological humor. Yeah. Yeah. Right, right, so, right. Yeah. So you can see the level of intellect we operate <laughs> right, on. That, right. Right. No, it's <laughs> rolling his eyes. What did I get myself into? So her, Why am I here? You guys are idiots. Well, it's the absurdity. Look, but here's the thing. Here, we the documentation of existing conditions is really a lot about documenting what is l- largely seems absurd. Yeah. Where, where, where the person of the year, for example, 
is Greta Thunberg, mm-hmm. and where we're seeing uh, what were what we had considered heretofore as like you know august institutions now uh moving towards i don't know what you know and all this is going on with looming ai affecting you know how things are being assessed or or directed uh we're we're talking about transhumanism is is now you know i can become a unicorn if i want <laughs> and have something installed on part of my body uh, and and then not only have it installed in part of my body, but then file lawsuits against people who are you know who who, who are uh, confronted by my body modifications and so forth, like just absurd stuff that we never had to deal with before. So that's kind of like my my own bias on yeah. on. You know, it just our, it just points to the kind of the the things that were taken for granted that are kind of unusual, and that's the condition we it what it really the intention is it just played creates a playing field we're operating on so right so you got one or two no not today well i mean the stuff that happened during the week yeah right the impeachment hearings yeah some of the more bizarre um the impeachment hearings for example playing to a divided country yeah uh where you've got uh no real evidence other than if you paid attention to that i've been watching it all week have you yeah, and yep. so so Ed, what's your take on that? Yeah, that's that's that'd be a great kickoff for me. You know, you've been following it all week. I have only followed parts of it. What what's your assessment of of is is this a rational argument that is being made? No, or is it... no, no. Good. It it it, it bears God. no relation to a <clears throat> rational argument. Mm-hmm. Uh, the fact is, we we we've come into a time when truth is considered relative, wow. and yeah. You know, you had way back at the beginning of the current administration, you had uh, Kellyanne Conway say, well, you know, there there are alternate facts. Well, I'm a scientist. I was trained as a scientist. Yeah. There are not alternate facts. There's what we know and there's what we don't know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And yeah. there's another, as a psychologist, there's a third area called what we don't know, we don't know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And those are the things we need to keep clear which is which so if 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 i you know if i swing my arm and i hit your nose mm-hmm. um there's an old saying my right to swing my arms ends at your nose yeah um uh, i don't get to say what the hell is your nose doing there in the first place right right but we've gotten to a point now where we're blaming the victim, uh, uh, saying that that facts don't matter. Opinions are as good as facts. Um, has muddled, muddied the waters on the whole on any kind of meaningful conversation we're trying to have. Ed, I so agree. I think it's getting more and more, with all the information we have and all the technology available to us and all the different ways to uh, obtain information it seems more and more difficult to actually get at what the facts are no yes i don't agree i don't i don't agree mike um facts are facts okay uh we have the greatest technology that's ever existed in the history of the world for finding facts and for differentiating facts 
No, I'm not saying there's anything wrong with opinions, interpretations, Correct. conclusions. That you know, that's most of the world we we live in and we yeah. construct. But they've you, we've got to, the rules are different. The rules for facts and the rules for interpretations, conclusions, etc., are different. Mm-hmm. And, and if we apply the rules of one, yeah, to to the other, we get into trouble. Yeah. If I may say, I think that uh, restating what Mike might have meant is that we're having a difficult time dealing with the opinions that people have about the facts. Well, that's I think, true. I think that's, I think that's the, the point we're in right now, which a lot of people refer to as a culture war or a cultural, you know, cultural uh, conflict of some kind that we're, you know, that seems to be pushing itself more and more towards, you know, climate the climactic level you know uh but you know i could be an alarmist well no i think i think you're absolutely right and and i'm not sure about the climactic level i think there's there's a i I don't know that there is an end to it if you go down that road that's one of the things when you if you go down the road of dealing with facts you reach a point where you say this is true Mm. or it's false and that's the end of the road if you go down the road where you're dealing with opinions i i just think yeah that you don't ever get to the end right um you know mike and i have an ongoing debate about what he calls political correct politically correct language yeah Mm -hmm. um for me that debate resolves again at the other person's nose i've got a right to say anything i want Mm -hmm. but if i'm going to if I'm going to say something or do something that negatively impacts another person, then I don't get to blame them for being negatively impacted. I've got to be responsible yep. and accountable for, for my words and actions. That's not about political correctness. That's a, that's a value I have called accountability. Yep. Mm-hmm. And we're, we're going to talk about that too, Ed, because uh, we're going to, unfortunately, we got to- I hoped we were. Yeah, no, we're going to talk about that a lot because we're going to take a break in about 30 seconds, but thanks so much for being here. Everybody uh, go out and this is a great book and it actually makes you think and uh, really inquire, especially for a man in, a, in an organization leadership. It's called Inclusion, the Role of Leadership. It's by Ed Gerwitz. So Ed, we were leaving talking about political correctness. You dropped the puck, let's go, right? Wait, well, he mentioned <laughs> accountability actually. He, no, he did mention accountability. And- and one of the things, and I agree with you in that there is no shirking responsibility, right? And I would never want to go around being a clod, pissing everybody off. And I do it, you know? And I'm more than willing to clean it up. But I, I and it's how I see it, it's really a balance between being responsible and yet being authentic and speaking what there is to speak and, and not being afraid of like I really believe everybody has to be responsible for their own triggers. You go into great length in your book about amygdala hijacks and and people being responsible for it and what it takes. And it just seems to me, and this is my own perspective and opinion and not the fact, okay? But it seems to me that this this movement toward I get offended or I get upset or I get this or I get that, that we're all walking on eggshells and I'm supposed to know your triggers. And that's where I'm not I'm I'm not here to punch you in the nose. But I'm also not willing to own your triggers. Does that make sense? Or am I being a jerk? Perfect. It makes perfect sense. And I, I agree with you more than I disagree with you. Okay. Here's where, we, here's where we get into trouble. And this is why you're here. 
so we can have this actual adult conversation yeah. about this, right? And be responsible for it. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. I can't know your triggers. Of course you can't. Well, you can know mine because it's pretty much everything, but I'm not well, a good example. <laughs> yeah, I understand. Uh, and I can know yeah. some because they've been well publicized. Correct. So there's a, I dare, I would dare say a majority view among women mm-hmm. that calling them, calling a grown woman a girl is, is demeaning. Okay. Okay. So if I'm going to use that word, I'm going to, ha- I'm going to have to be responsible for the fact that I already know it's going to trigger people. Okay. Um, the, I think the place we get into trouble mm-hmm. is when we start defending our intention rather than being responsible for our impact. So, Got it. you know, somebody will do something and they'll say, well, I didn't mean it. Or can't you take a joke mm-hmm. or that what you took it wrong. Right. And as soon as I do that, I'm making you responsible. Yep. I got it. For my gaff, for my mistake. Yeah. We have a, uh, we teach something in, in the work we do in corporations. Mm-hmm. We teach them a very simple protocol that was developed by the visions organization years ago. And it's called ouch and oops. If I say something that offends you, yeah. you say, ouch. And the purpose of your saying ouch is to stop the conversation and sort it out. Yeah. I was in a meeting a year or so, two years ago, where someone said uh, they were correcting something somebody said. And they said, well, I'm the grammar Nazi. And I said, ouch. ouch. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. the meeting stopped. And the, the guy turned to me. He was a very good guy. He was a well-meaning guy. Yeah. And he said, what's the ouch? And I said, well, I'm a Jewish guy. And. Uh, when you use the term Nazi that way, I feel it, it demeans the Holocaust. Yeah. He said, oh, I hadn't thought about that. Now, I don't know if he's going to use that term again or not, but he's a little smarter now because yeah. I didn't simply sit there and, and, and get angry. Um, on the other hand, if he had said, well, I didn't mean it that way and you got a problem and you're hypersensitive, Correct. you know, that would not have gone well. Correct. So for me, why I don't like the idea of political correctness Mm -hmm. is because if it's political, I'm I'm watching my language, it's uh, it's nonsense. Um, But if it's personal, if it's I actually want to understand if I'm doing something that unwittingly impacts another person negatively. I want to know about that because I have a personal commitment not to do that. You know, what you just said there, I am completely in line with. First of all, political is nonsense. And the second one, I have no intention to offend anyone. And I know on occasion I can because I'm pretty bold and pretty direct. And a lot of people are walking around uh, not as bold and not as direct as I am and concerned because there have been other people before me who've acted like buttheads, right? So I get that. And the thing is, as I think anybody who knows me, I, you know, I step in it all the time and I'm willing to clean it up as your friend was, you know, and there's, there's, uh, and I'm learning all the time, you know, I'm asking questions all the time and I, I don't want to be constrained by someone's oversensitivity, you know, the, the th- here's the thing. Um, you, you saw it with me too. Okay. There were women that were, there's been women and I've known women that have been abused by men, right? 
and they have these horrible experiences. And I, I'm, I'm not only sympathetic, but I, you know, I've been protective of women most of my life about things like this. You know, this has not been, you know, when I was in college, I, we had a problem with raping on campus and I would go and walk girls from class home so that they wouldn't get raped. I mean, this is in the seventies, right? So this has been kind of who I am. What, what triggers triggers me, upsets me, gets me irritated are women who've never had that experience and then blanketly and generalize say, well, men are rapists or men are this or men are that or men are this without even taking a, sex, you know, a second to get to know me and, and making assumptions about me that are profoundly in error. And listen, I know I look like a freaking biker classic alpha male, big dude, the whole thing. I mean, I, I, I get the stereotype I am, and I get how in a certain environment I can trigger people just by the way I show up. You've witnessed it. And that's, that's, that's my concern, is, is we're giving carte blanche to that and not really looking and taking the time to get to know one another. Does that make sense? I, I agree. Uh, there's a couple of things you said that I want to comment on. Sure. I, uh, as you know, Mike, I, I am, uh, in addition to my professional work on mm-hmm. diversity and inclusion, I'm the chair of the Mankind Project, yeah, absolutely. which is yeah. an organization that's been around for 35 years devoted to healthy masculinity. Yeah. And I'm also, I also work with an organization called Gender Equity and Reconciliation. And I go to their workshops. Their workshops wow. are men and women, mm-hmm. and it's a lot about just sharing experience. Yeah. And the number, the percentage of women who mm-hmm. have had, not been raped, but necessarily, but been abused, molested, discriminated against, um, unwanted touching, you take the whole spectrum yeah. and, and you're, you're getting up pretty close to 100% of women. Really? Uh, yeah. Okay. Statistically, you are. It's, it's, it's definitely higher than three quarters. So wow. okay. first of all, I would never assume that any woman whether she's talked about it or not, has not had that experience. Now that, so that's one thing. The second thing is anytime anybody, if I say all women or, or a woman says all men are, yeah. you know, whatever dogs, um, that's ridiculous. You can't generalize that way. Uh, I make one assumption about people and it's something I've taught in my work with organizations and as a psychologist for over 40 years. I make one assumption, and that is that people are well-intended. Okay. Um, that that the most bizarre things people do, things that look the most bizarre to me, mm-hmm. make sense to them and yeah. are well-intended. Yeah. And I've got to I've got to get interested. I've got to get curious about their world in order to understand it. That doesn't justify anything. Correct. <clears throat> um. But when you can learn to, to look through the other person's eyes, mm-hmm. the world looks very different. Quick yeah. story. Years ago, I was working in a major city, and I uh, was working with a, a public agency. And I stayed about, found a hotel about four blocks, five blocks away from the office where I was working. It was a Holiday Inn. Um, and I stayed there because it was convenient, and I would walk to work every morning. And in the course of working with this client, uh, I had occasion to do a workshop where I had a female co-lead mm-hmm. and she stayed co-facilitator and she stayed in the same hotel I did. About two months later, 
we went back to do some more work and she stayed in a different hotel. Mm -hmm. Same holiday in, not different quality, but farther away. And she had to take a cab. So I asked her, how come? She said, you know, I'm just not comfortable on that five block walk. It's just not, it's, it's a very sketchy area. Mm -hmm. Now, this is a main thoroughfare in a big city. But when I look, so I I took on as a discipline, when I would walk to work, I would try to look through the eyes of a, not of, you know, me who, you know, grew up in New York and I have a no mess with me attitude when I walk in the street, but through the eyes of a five foot five, little older, not very large woman. Mm -hmm. And I got it. I saw it. I could see what made that area sketchy for her. Yeah. And understand it in a way that I never understood before. So I think a lot of it for me is being willing to credit the other person's point of view rather than assume that our point of view is the truth, back to facts now, where mm-hmm. we started, mm-hmm. that, I, I, that here are the facts. It's a major thoroughfare in a big city. There are cops all over the place, et cetera, et cetera. Not through her eyes, it's not. Yeah, I have a question for you, Ed, and just was something that was said quite a few minutes ago now regarding political correctness and this kind of thing. And I just wanted to just throw out that my my own assertion is is that is that we're in the midst of a destabilization of language itself. And I wanted to find out what you thought about that. Like, for example, for example, where you have the the American like the press in the United States, particularly the media, uh, television, right? News. They, they're constantly referring to us as a democracy when in fact we're a constitutional Republic. So my, my question to you is, is that how much of what we're dealing with here deals with some substance of language that we are, that we are either taking on or we're assuming that we're we're not choosing that we're 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 taking it on you you know what i'm saying i'm not 100% sure i think i do um so ed, i'm an old guy can you right? ed can you hold on yeah. cuz we're going to have to take sure. another break but bob's famous for asking these incredible questions right before the break <laughs> <laughs> and i apologize for that so so we're going to take a break bob pontarelli here and i want to thank you for listening to this podcast We'll have more Into the Gap episode highlights after a short break. Into the Gap is on a quest for bringing self-knowledge right up against the glass of the great display window of life. We're also on a quest for advertisers to support this podcast, our weekly radio show, and our unfiltered podcast. If you'd like to get more information and inquire about rates, please contact me at bob at intothegapmedia.com. Greetings, this is Bob Ponderelli of End of the Gap, and we're really psyched to have the High PSI company sponsoring our show. High PSI was founded in 1976 and provides the industrial cleaning industry's finest pressure washers and cleaners. High PSI also carries Colson Ice Blast Technology, which is a cost-effective and environmentally responsible cleaning system that delivers a super high-quality finish. You can access their services and a competent, dedicated staff through their website at highpsi.com or just give them a call at 800-666-3900. This is Bob Pontarelli, and Into the Gap is most pleased to have Chicago Aquaponics sponsoring our show. Chicago Aquaponics provides superior quality hemp seeds, seedlings, and clones to hemp farmers everywhere. 
What you can count on from Chicago Aquaponics is the finest quality product imaginable and a true relationship that helps farmers succeed in producing an equally high quality product. You can find them at chicagoaquaponics.com. Join the hemp revolution at Chicago Aquaponics. This is Into the Gap, the podcast, where we bring you highlights of our radio show, which airs every Saturday at 1 o'clock Central Time on WCGO AM and FM. Okay, back to the show now. Here's Mike. So, Bobby, ask you a question. Do you need to recreate it or you want to jump into it? No, I, uh, the question had to do with language. And, uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm older than you guys and um, than most people, actually. And uh, <laughs> I remember... And that's a blessing, my friend. It right. beats the alternative, right? It mm-hmm. is for me. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, I remember listening to the news, watching it, mm-hmm. uh, listening to it on the radio... Yeah. Uh, and then watching it on television, you had people like Edward R. Murrow, uh, John Cameron Swayze. Uh, those are probably just names to you guys, but they were Walter Cronkite. They were they were idols when we were ki- yeah. when we were young, and and part of the reason was that they they were thoughtful. They they didn't just say give headlines. They talked about the news. Yeah. Today, what and there, there's all kinds of explanations for it a lot of which have to do with the internet and the amount of information available but but there's relatively little thoughtful analysis of the news there's sound bites yeah um and headlines and i think we've learned we've kind of learned to think that way to think in very simple um un unexamined concepts that's boil language down to sound bites. Yeah. Am I tracking with your with no, what you ab- said? Well, I, I I would restate what you said is uncritical, being uncritical in your very uh, well observation said. of your occurring world. Very well said, and taking other people's distillation, taking other people's analysis of it as if it were true, and not mm-hmm. so. You know, there was a time when. To use Fox News's slogan, the news was actually fair and balanced. Yeah, when when both yeah. sides got reported in the same story by the same person, doesn't happen anymore. You know, if you watch MSNBC, you don't watch Fox News. If right. you watch, you know, CNN, there's something else you don't watch, and yeah. and basically, people get their news from part from parts of the media that agree with them. Yeah. Um, now there are exceptions to that. The wall street journal does a pretty good balanced job in their news reporting, New York times, several others, but by and large, not. Um, so I think, I think we've seen a diminution in our good word ability to think, you know, Ed, thanks so much for saying that because our intention, I don't know if we've fulfilled on it yet, but our intention is actually to bring that into the world to actually have conversations grounded in critical thinking and actually look at the issues beyond just the the news bite of it. Mm-hmm. Now, sometimes we make jokes about it because it can get so heavy, it'll choke you, right? Yep. And I have a default way of being, when I get too confronted, I got to make a joke out of it. Otherwise, I'll just crumble, you know? And and I own that. And that's But that's the idea behind what we're doing here. And that's why we, we like to bring people like you on. And we bring people far more intelligent than myself on the show to really talk about these very, very important subjects. And that's why I wanted to bring your book in. I don't agree with everything you wrote. I think chapter six in your book 
is like should be handed to every man on the planet. I really do. Like I well, feel that strongly about why it. Why is that? What, what's the because it actually speaks about new ways of being masculine and new ways of operating in a man that don't feminize men that actually make men be fully responsible. And, it's, and, and, and that's the essence of why I wrote the book, Mike. Yeah. And I really appreciate your saying that because cha- the, the, as I uh, mentioned to you when we were off the air, yeah. the, chapter six is the book. The rest of it is the grounding, the, the, yeah. the factual right. scientific grounding, the case for a, what's called in chapter six, a new paradigm for men. Yeah. Sometimes you'll hear it called healthy masculinity. I'll use that term. Okay. I, what I don't like is that you'll also hear the opposite called toxic masculinity. That drives me I don't nuts, think yeah. that's right. Yeah. I think that it's, there are outmoded masculine norms. Now, I go into in the book, the origins of that. It's, it's hardwired into us mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. in terms of our nervous system. It's cultural. Uh, there was a time when it was, uh, when it was functional. Yeah. Um, but, you know, if you're going to give it a name and, and this is controversial and you probably won't like it, but, mm-hmm. but there culturally there is such a thing as patriarchy. Yeah. Um, and it's outlived its usefulness, in my opinion. And, and say a little bit more, because during the break, I said, you know, we used to refer to somebody who's happy was gay. Uh, we, we, you know, we, we live in a constitutional republic, but everybody seems to call it a democracy. So linguistically, what are we talking about? What's the patriarchy? The patriarchy is a cultural force that's, that advantages men and men's opinions, men's way of being over women and over Anything that falls outside the 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 bounds of traditional norms of masculinity. Okay. So, uh, for example, there was an experiment I cite in the book where a group of college professors were given uh, resumes to see if they would hire a person. Mm-hmm. And one group was given a resume for someone named John Smith, let's say, and the mm-hmm. other was Jennifer Smith. Mm-hmm. Aside from those different first names, the resumes were identical. Yeah. Okay. And these are college professors. These are not, you know. Well, I'm going to argue that's not the greatest selection of humanity to run this by. That's my own bias. Well, but that's who it was done with is the point. Yeah. Uh, And they, to a significant degree, they would have hired and favored John Smith over Jennifer Smith. Not because they're bad people, because that's that's inherent in us. We we provoke, we give advantage to the masculine the the masculine norms that we've grown up with. Now, as I said, there was a time, and I don't mean prehistorically necessarily. I mean even in the the Middle Ages, where mm-hmm. there was a, an awful lot of uh, random killing and enslaving going on where, you know, that was probably an advantage having the right. men who were stronger, bigger, could, you know, handle the weapons, et cetera, to protect the village. Uh, you know, the, the, the protective warrior is, is a powerful archetype. Okay. So, so oh, go ahead. 
Well, I was but, just going to ask. So, look, does the patriarchy have to be rebuilt? Does it have to be destroyed and rebuilt? Does it have to be modified? What is the what's the what is the contemporary or the uh, in you know what's what do we do about it? Well, we recognize that it's outlived its usefulness. Um, that things are not. One of, the, one of the aspects of the tra- of traditional thinking is that it's black and white. Right. You're either a man or a woman. Okay. For example, well, I, I have to tell you, at my age, I don't fully understand it, but I accept it and respect it that there are people who say, I'm not willing to be, to say one or the other. I'm something somewhere in between. And, all right. A couple things. <laughs> no, 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 no. I, I don't want to go into the man and woman thing yet. There's because because there's a couple things I want to po- uh, point to first. The whole thing about the patriarchy, right? To quote the famous hip hop guy Ice T, "Don't hate the player, hate the game." And I think that's what you're, you're. I agree with that completely. That's what you're talking about with the patriarchy, right? And exactly, and so, because yeah. none of us chose it, right? So I think there's been a lot of men. And, and I'm going to give you. I'm going to give you a personal example. I interviewed and was a finalist in a gig for a CEO of an organization I was truly committed to, and wanted to be. I wanted the gig. Okay, the person I was interviewing against. There were two of us interviewing at the finals. Was a woman. They selected the woman. Do you know why they selected the woman? No, I don't. Because she was a woman. How do you know that? Because I asked. Okay. And they said it was time that we have a woman. And, okay. and so, I mean, I, listen, I, and I, I took it, I got it good as the board, the board had every right to select whoever they wanted because that's the way it was set up. You know, now they said, you brought a lot of things. You can do this. You could do that. I, you know, I knew the woman, I didn't particularly like her, but it's okay. But I'm, I'm saying it, it cuts both ways. It probably cuts way more the other way, but in the correction of this, I don't think taking one bias away. And replacing it with another makes it work. And following up with that, yeah, um, is the excuse <coughs> me. Um, well, I mean, how? I'm, no, I'm going to let that go. So, because, so what I'm I, saying is, I, I agree a hundred percent with you. What, so, I've got a question for you. Okay, traditional masculinity was was really steeped in to provide, to protect, and to leave a legacy, right? And I think we need to, I, and, and you pointed in your book, the differences between men and women. There are fundamental differences between men and women. And in, in the shifting of this patriarchy, isn't it just shifting what it means to provide, what it means to protect, what it means to live a legacy versus the old John Wayne movies? Or is it really reconstructing what masculinity is altogether? You know? I think here's why I think it's reconstructing, Mike. Okay. If you look in my book on page 20, there's a cartoon, and you may have seen it on the internet, where it shows three people trying to watch a, fo- a soccer game mm-hmm. be- from behind a fence. One's tall, one's medium sized, one's short. Yep. And equality, everybody gets the same size box to look over the fence. Mm-hmm. And the short guy is still staring at a fence. Yeah. And with equity, everybody gets the box they need. The tall guy doesn't get one. 
medium-sized guy gets one like he got with equality that lets him see and the and the short guy gets two boxes so he can see over the fence yeah we're talking what, what where i think it resolves is not in either of those things because what you your experience with interviewing for that job mm-hmm. is exactly what equity means right we, we haven't hired women before we're gonna hire a woman right because she's a woman now, presumably she was otherwise qualified. Yeah, as no, well, absolutely, but, absolutely. Yeah. But see, the third option is remove the fence. Yeah. Well, take I- take the the cause of the inequity away. Now, uh, to go back to what we were saying, yeah. there's a you you <clears throat> did a good job a few few minutes before the break of running down the kind of traditional. Yeah view of masculinity in a positive way of, yeah. of, of the protection and all that. Well, here's the problem. Yeah. We have to sort out from that what's outdated. So women today say we don't need protection. But then they're always talking about not feeling safe. Right? I'm not sure I get the connection. So don't you equate protection and safety to go hand in hand? No. You don't, okay. I, 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 I equate protection and safety when there's an attack. Okay. Um, Ed, I have a young go daughter. Go ahead, I have My daughter, our daughter, is 21. And That's got two young daughters, too. And, okay, cool. And so, you know, I like, I, I always say to my daughter, you know, because she's like, I'm an adult, I, you know, and all this stuff. And I get it. I get all that. And it only takes one time. It only takes one time. So to say I, I get triggered, let me tell you. You know, I do the ouch routine right now. Uh, when I hear you say, you know, women claim they don't need protection. Well, one of the themes that Mike and I have on the show is, is that we've got it so freaking good in this world, in this country, in this particular, you know, time that... <clears throat> We now are making life choices based on an unbelievable level of comfort and convenience and, and everything is taken care of. And, and I just believe that we need to do both. It's, it's not an either or, it's a both and. You know, we, we, have, to, we, we have to maintain perspective, I guess, all I'm saying. You know? Well, I want to hear what Ed has to say. Yeah. I, I don't mean to interrupt. No, okay, no, no. I, have, I have two daughters and three granddaughters. Mm-hmm. Man, you got, you got a lot of girls around. You got a lot of women around. My oldest granddaughter is the same age as your your oh. daughter, Bob. Mm. Um, I the greatest protection <coughs> you can give for women, mm-hmm. any woman, our daughters, is to teach them to protect themselves. Yeah, absolutely. Um, because you're not going to be there. In those situations where she, where she might need protection or safety the most, mm-hmm. Ed, um, Ed, when I talk about protection, I'm talking about no, no longer it being uh, a tactical exercise; that it's much more strategic and t- contextual, like creating a world and, and and creating an environment that's safe for women and people, as opposed to walking around and everybody having a handgun. Yeah. No, I, I, you and I are in complete agreement about that. Yeah. At a strategic level. Yeah. We have to make a society. Correct. 
you're not going to like where I'm going with this. All right, that's all right. Uh, we, I'll deal with it. <laughs> we, we have to we have to create a society mm-hmm. where it's I can't say it's safe because it's never safe, no. but, but but where the the elements of violence mm-hmm. aren't there. Well, that mean well who's who holds the upper hand in that society? Men. Absolutely. That's why my work is geared toward men as allies I hate that in word, creating I, I that new society yeah because until <laughs> until men you know my friend michael kimmel who's a real authority probably the greatest oh. authority on masculinity <laughs> huh? oh god i hate his books oh. yeah well i understand uh <laughs> yeah. he says that privilege yeah. is invisible to those who have it yeah um what we've found is that when the vast majority of men that, that I've worked with mm-hmm. in the U.S. and around the world, yeah. when they, when privilege is no longer available, uh, invisible, yeah. they don't want it. They're willing to use that privilege mm-hmm. to make the world a better place yeah. rather than use it unconsciously in a way that leaves women gay people people of color you name it feeling unsafe of course so that's what we're going for we're not going for you know nobody's nobody's out to take men down we're out to build to remove that fence so that everybody has the same shot Uh, and you're not talking about uh social engineering but when you just said everybody has the same shot ed how can we possibly level a playing field in any way? I mean, right now, at one of the one of, and you're familiar with this uh, training and development company that uses this term "everyone" with no one left out and everybody. And I, I'm sorry, I, I can't swallow that. I, I can't buy that. I can't get this thing where people say we're going to have a we're going to have a situation where there's going to be an unequivocal level of whatever whatever it is justice happiness. you're not gonna you're not gonna you're not gonna take someone who has no aptitude for math and make him you know the chief financial officer <laughs> right but the differentiator is aptitude yeah it's not you know you're not gonna take an old guy like me and make him quarterback for the bears I think you possibly could be because the Bears quarterback. Has well, yeah, it, but it was kind of like that cat in the that wandered <laughs> out of the field in the Giants game. Oh, yeah, yeah, I saw that giant because yeah. he found the end zone. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, but but it's it's it's, and we're not going to do it overnight, Bob. You're right, but 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 it can be done to have yeah. to have the uh, for for example. One of the things I show in the book, men and women are smarter together. Yes, when they, they have two different ways of thinking. You combine those two ways of thinking, absolutely. you get something smarter than either one could come up with on their own. And therefore, why the divisiveness now? Like, where, what is, I want to mention Rollo Tomasi. He's a regular guest on our show. He wrote a book called The Rational Male. Mike tells me he's your neighbor, like 20 miles away from you. We really? got to hook you guys up. Because yeah. okay. Rollo has written he lives a, in Reno. a fantastic so book. So do I. I thought you lived in Incline Village. I moved. Oh, then he's closer to my neighbor. Yeah. yeah. So Rollo has written a book called The Rational Male. And in it, he describes 
the result of a feminization of culture that is based on the feminine imperative and what was the what was the result of giving women sole control over their uh, uh, biological destiny, whereas men don't necessarily get that until now. By the way, when we have the possibility of all kinds of uh, augmentation to the human body, but, M- but Mike knows yeah. what I'm talking. Go ahead. Look, yeah, I, see, here's the here's the thing though. I know we're running out of time, and yeah. I just want to say this: it's mm-hmm. not about giving anybody sole control. Yeah, it's about Everybody having opportunities that are based on their talents, gifts, and ambition, yeah, rather than based on something none of us chose. I didn't choose to be a man. My daughter didn't choose to be a woman. We were born. It's an accident of birth. Yeah. Almost all privilege is an accident of birth. Ed- and so- we're we're, yeah. we're gonna have to go, man. I want to say thank you so much for being with us, everybody, especially dudes. Go get the book "Inclusion: The Role of uh, Leadership." It's um it's a great book for men. Uh, Ed, I just want to say thanks so much for being on. Would you like to be on again? Because I was gonna say, have me back. Let's. Oh, dude, the this is that. this is great. awesome, and because you bring a different perspective. I mean, your biases are different than my biases, you know. And uh, and actually, as we're having this conversation, I realize. The thing that you and me want is exactly the same thing. Uh, totally, totally. You know, that we just are looking at different perspectives, and I'm uh, maybe I'm being a hard case, or I don't know. There, it, Not you, Mike. <laughs> <laughs> this is a great conversation, to have. Uh, brother. Thank Bob, you so much. Thank Ed. you, Mike. Thank you. Thank it was you. a privilege thanks to for, be here. Thanks for being. Thank on. you, sir. Thank you. Have so a much. good one, Ed Gurowitz. Have a great day, everybody. Yeah. Please allow us to thank you for listening to this show, as we are only too aware that your support makes it possible. 